0: Welcome to the WP SEO Show, brought to you by SEO Hive, your proactive white label SEO partner. The WP SEO Show is all about talking WordPress and SEO, from optimizations, structures, setups, and plugins. We explore how to make your WordPress website perform better in the search engines. Here are your hosts, Pete Everett and Jeff Patch.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the WP SEO Show. I am your host, Pete, and I'm joined by my brother from another mother all the way from
2: Norco, California. It is Jeffrey Ew. Patch. How are you doing? Don't highlight my town. Nobody wants to come here. <laughs> <laughs> I've only, I literally only said it because we were
1: talking about it like two minutes ago. <laughs>
2: L- little spoiler i'm trying to ship pete over here for a uh for a, a get together one of these days so we're working on that so we're, we're talking on about california destinations mm. and um my town is not one of them not one of them <laughs> so we're just going to move on from that topic
1: <laughs> so yeah, how you doing mate how's how's the week been
2: Uh, it's been a bit busy, but um, you know, and I'm always talking about the weather. We're still in this like dry wind crap, and so we're just all miserable with this. We just want it to like I don't care if it gets hotter or colder right now. I just don't want it to be dry and windy. Like it's just all (laughs) it's just uh, we're such Goldilockses here, looking for the perfect uh, the perfect Southern California weather, which is like that's just like the worst thing to to complain about in the world. I admit so yeah yeah well it's it's very wet here in britain in fact it's
1: so wet that mrs everett mrs e has gotten so wet on every dog walk this week that we've decided that she's really some underwater kiwi and does some kind of like rain dance every day in this she's she's twigged that she wears she's worn a particular jumper and on six of the last seven days has got like absolutely drenched when she's taking the dog for a walk so, <laughs> so we yeah that that is that a bad
2: omen for the weather it's it's so funny because it's so dry where we live and we had a really rainy year this year which was, was good we really needed it but um i don't mind like, i don't mind the rain i don't like oh no it's, i'm getting wet i'm outside like it doesn't bother me but me and my whole family, whenever it is raining, it's just funny how many things we don't do because it's mm. raining. We're like, No, nah, we don't want to do that drive. It's raining. No, we don't <laughs> want to go do that because it's raining. No, nah, we. And it's like, oh, man, I people get rain on every day, Some in some areas, you know, so yeah, yeah. So so we, can't,
1: we can't be that picky in the UK. So there's a uh, there's a there's a saying in the that we have over here, which is there's no such thing as inclement weather, just in inadequate clothing.
2: Um, I almost agree with that. Except I would say I like I would prefer cold because I can always put more clothes on, but when it's hot, you can't take off all of your clothes. I mean not in well, well you, you could,
1: but <laughs> there still may it still may not need be enough. Hang on, hang on. This podcast isn't rated for adults, so I think we need to maybe curb this conversation where this well, is. Well yeah. On YouTube I do specify it's not for kids, just to be safe, but yeah. So, so okay. So on YouTube, you have that option. In 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 the podcast uh, co- podcast players, you don't have that option. Your option is explicit or not explicit. So uh, you know, uh, I I wish there was like a not for kids option, which maybe doesn't mean explicit, but means not for children. Um, right? But, yeah,
2: that's like a like a fine line to like say this is not for kids. Like, well, mm, I mean, <laughs> it's not inappropriate, but it's not for kids. Like,
1: <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I I don't think many kids are be too bothered about what we're saying I, i've got a i've got a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and i don't think either of them would sit through 40 minutes of us two yakking on they'd, they'd be no, yeah. switching and off back of on Fortnite. fortnight
2: i haven't even gotten my kids to click on the youtube link and subscribe i would say hey can you just give us a subscribe <laughs> on youtube and they're like oh yeah we will yeah we will sure just yeah. give us a minute and they still haven't done it but yeah. one of them i think it was like our third week one of them texted me when she was at school which is a no-no but she did it anyway and she was like hey what's the link to your podcast And i was like are you like talking about it in class or something she was like no my friend wanted to know and i'm like does your friend want to listen she's like no like, okay <laughs> <laughs> well here's the leak. <laughs> this is
1: this is just the conversation of my dad has a podcast and, I, and yeah your friend sh- is like no he doesn't she's like yeah i can prove it what's the link dad? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then everyone was like cool we don't care all right yeah,
1: absolutely absolutely
2: and he's with some british guys co- no still don't care uh <laughs> Hey, speaking of not caring, everybody who's listening right now is probably sick of listening to us talk about the weather and whatever else. So why don't we talk about what we're going to talk about today? That might be a good idea. That (laughs) might
1: indeed be a good idea. So
2: if you might have guessed from
1: the title of this podcast that it is about the 10 most common WordPress mistakes, WordPress SEO mistakes that we don't want you to make anymore, and funnily enough, we have a list of 10 of them. So, Mr. JP, why don't you kick us off with them all?
2: Yeah, we're prepared. We are prepared. And we have talked about some of these in various capacities on here, but we thought it would be really helpful to just kind of make a quick hits list, go down, talk about it, kind of review these. Because I've seen many of these, this, not many, but several of these this week, actually. And, you know, I'm sure anybody listening has made at least one of these. I know that I have. I know my team. It happens. So let's talk about them. Let's try to, you know, get on top of them. The first one, it has to be the absolute most obvious one, yet the one I see most frequently left behind. And that's forgetting to uncheck that little box in the back that says, hide this from search engines. You typically do that when you're developing and building the site. You don't want all that content index and everything. And then you launch it. And so many times that gets forgotten about. And what happens? Google doesn't. It's no index. Google doesn't look at it. It doesn't get picked up. It, you know, your your client's waiting there for weeks going, hey, are we ever going to show up in Google search results? And you explain to them, well, it takes time, you know, and then you go back and you check and you you really forgot to uncheck that and you are embarrassed.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing with that is it takes a, like an inordinate, inordinate amount of time to then reappear in the search engines. And it's just like, it's squeaky bum time from start to, from the minute that you realize what you've done. And you get that little red flag in the admin bar at the top that says no index is on. And it's like
2: yeah. your heart just sinks
1: yeah oh we've all been there we have all yep. been there
2: mm-hmm. i really actually am happy about that i know this is <clears throat> it's kind of nerdy but i'm really happy about that red index thing and i don't remember when that appeared in wordpress but i no, know no, it I? hasn't been there forever um but i caught that just on a client site this week and it's, that's why i said i saw that this week site's been up for a couple months and i know for a fact because we've got the checklists that it was it was done somehow, somewhere, somebody was in there goofing with things and it got checked again. And I don't know if, you know, the client is aware. I have no idea. But at some point, thankfully, it didn't affect the results at all. But, but you know, we, we don't want to end up in that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, rolling straight onto number two is not performing keyword research, which has to be one of the banes of my life when you <laughs> when a client on boards a site or comes to me with some consultancy and they've got pages named completely random things because it made sense to them at the time that they were building the site out and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. At the end of the day, your website is a marketing tool. In order to get it to rank for something that the user is going to see, it needs to be using the language the user is going to search with. And if it doesn't, they're not going to see it. Then you're not going to get the traffic. Then they are not going to get any sales. And then you're going to make that my problem. And then my life becomes hell. And it just, no, just.
2: just. Your, your life becomes employed. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe. Uh,
1: but, you, uh, you, you know, you let's actually re-
2: retitle this one. These are the 10 mistakes you should be making before you call <laughs> us for help. So, yeah. So, please, please do some keyword
1: research first. Um, you know it doesn't have to be it's not like you need to do groundbreaking keyword research or go completely into every nook and cranny of the client niche in order to find the the most specific to ter- no but it needs to be applicable to what the searcher is going to
2: search and if you, if it doesn't pass that filter, then just
1: try a little bit harder
2: yeah, I'm not sure I have a great example off the top of my head right now but I've been really amazed at doing keyword research the last couple of years, how many times the keywords that you come up with or that, you know, you uncover are really obvious. Like they're the exact ones that you had in mind. So you kind of go, why did I even bother doing it? But then you get that data, right? And you see like what the search volume is, how difficult it will be. The search volume is one of the most important ones to me in kind of putting, your, like, like putting yourself in check and saying, oh yeah, that's actually one we should work for because it has <sighs> the volume. Whereas there's so many times, like one in our onboarding process with new sites, one of the questions is, are there any keywords that, you know, you you must rank for that you, you know, in your heart and soul that you just have to rank for, right? We ask that. And sometimes we run through and it's like, you know, it only gets 10 searches a month, right? Like, so you sh- it shouldn't be your focus. And you don't know that unless you do the keyword research. I would say just just to maybe tie this
1: one off, because actually keywords li- lines us nicely up for, for tip three in a second. But when you're running keyword research, also take into account the cost per click information. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got, if you've just because a keyword has a lot of traffic doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a lot of sales or inquiries from it. It could be a very top of funnel type, type term. So in order to distinguish the terms which other people are getting conversions from, if you look at the cost per click data, you know, somebody spending 30 cents a click to be on page one for a particular term, they're probably not getting too many leads from it. If somebody else is spending $30 a click for a, for a, a click to be on page one, they're far more likely to be getting uh, leads or conversions or whatever the conversion metric is that you're working for. So whilst you may not run ads for these terms, considering the cost per click information can be key to determining where traffic that is likely to convert will sit.
2: Yeah. And then if you can, you know, rank organically for those terms that people are paying $30, -hmm. you know, every time you get a a click through, you're, I mean, you're not making $30, but in a sense, you're getting a $30 click that for free. I mean, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, rolling on to number three, Mr. JP. Ro-
2: rolling on to number three, and this feels a little contradictory over what we we're just saying, but that is actually overusing your target keywords. And you know, this is the old style. If you've if you've been in the industry, you've been online long enough, you remember, you know. Uh, if if we were to build SEO Hive like ten years ago, our homepage would say, "Hey, we're a white label SEO provider that does white label SEO for white label." You know what I mean? We would say the same thing over and over. Again. It's just so for annoying. agencies
1: that need white label support for their yeah. white label SEO services, Con- digital Contact. agencies
2: that work with <laughs> WordPress clients, and I mean, just oh boy, and and there was I mean, it's so funny. I I just laugh at the times when you would read a website and you would read it and you'd be like obviously they're just trying to you know get those clicks in there and it doesn't actually read for a human well it turns out google's figured it out they're done doing that yep keywords you know that yes they matter they need they need to be there but at the same time they track so many other vital metrics that show you how the content is helpful um is it you know, organize in a proper way. Feel free to help me out with some better terminology here, Pete, but you know, it's the the whole helpful content that we've talked about is an amazing thing because now Google is trying to rank things based on actual real world performance. Yeah.
1: I think, I think the two biggest elements that feed into this from an SEO perspective are, um, are uh, natural language processing. So how you how you actually write in order so that natural language processing is the process that the search engines use to read a page to see if it reads like its natural language, essentially. So I it's written for a human, not for a not for the not for the algorithm. And then the second thing is the helpful content update that you've just mentioned, which has seriously moved the bar on how content needs to be helpful it needs that you know a user should be able to read a piece of content and actually when they get to the the end of it be more educated or be able to take a different action than they would have before they started reading a piece of that piece of content so you know if you're if you're hitting those two things then then you're you're doing really well but yeah keyword stuffing is has been a no-no for ages and and you know uh You 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 can't do that anymore. Link stuffing is exactly the same. I mean, how many sites have we had where you had uh, links like hundreds of links in a footer? Some of them coloured the same background as the colours as the uh, footer bar, so you couldn't see them. Plumbing uh, Los
2: Angeles, plumbing San Diego, plumbing New York City, plumbing you know for for somebody based in Wichita. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely, and and that that of course means that that you know you can't have the duplicate content, which that strategy did did sort of uh, employ. So all of that kind of stuff, not overusing your target keyword. You've got to use it enough. You've got to introduce them properly. We talked about that on a previous show, um, but yeah, not overusing them is is a key thing. Now, while we're talking about content on the page, the fourth tip is about leaving development links within your within the site when you push it live, i.e., not updating the address from the staging address to the live. Uh, the live domain name when you push a site live and again this has to be one of the most common uh, the most common issues we see when we when we get sites onboarded to us that there is just some gobbledygook urls involved in there from staging sites gone by that haven't been updated properly um so please please either it, we we did a we did a whole episode on how to launch a website properly we we did discuss this this element in that to a bit more length than we're going to go into today, but please make sure you've got a plugin in there, something like Better Search Replace, or if your you know if your host does it when they when you set the primary domain, I use Cloudways for for my main host. When I change that primary domain, they go through and update the database yeah. for me, so it it kind of does it. Um, but I still do have Better Search Replace in there for. Uh, you know, for, for uh, belt and braces. So-, so we'll
2: actually check just to be safe, just to make sure one didn't get missed. And I have, we have literally migrated hundreds of websites to like Cloudways using that migrating tool and that works fantastic. But there has been a, a handful <laughs> where for some reason there were a few, I don't know if they were maybe encoded in a certain manner, but there are a few URLs that, don't magically get picked up and we've got to do it like that. The other big thing that gets left out with a lot of these tools whether it's Cloudways or any of them is if URLs are hard coded into any of the theme files or any of the widgets or anything like that cuz it usually won't review those. So you know and that's well, not the best practice obviously but it does happen and we catch those sometimes too
1: and sometimes you have to be careful with the, even the page builder that you use as well mm-hmm. i mean divi divi has a process for example if you're moving a divi site that you have to go through a specific process in order to to transition the site from one url to another and oxygen had the same thing from memory mm-hmm. so yeah you you might there might be specifics you need to be aware of but please make sure that when you send a site live it is all on the proper live url that the ssl certificate is correct that all of the links are running on https rather than http um that it's it seems like such a small thing and it it's not a fun process to go through particularly if you have to unpick a massive site with all of these issues
2: but, look, but real it, real life horror story we had a client depart with us last week for a more niched provider they're in real estate market or something and they you know they worked with an agency that's like dedicated to that and that's fine they move their site over and everything is broken it's been that way for a week and i keep emailing going you guys you didn't change the urls and so all the urls are pointing to a staging site that's on the new agency's things and i'm going every customer yeah. has this big error where with all these things riddled all over it when they go to visit that videos don't play the images don't load And so this happens and this is, and I'm not trying to talk trash about this company. I don't know them from anybody else, but they're a professional company and they made the mistake. So it Mm -hmm. happens all the time.
1: (laughs) All the
2: time. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, crap on them. I'm trying to show you that even the pros make the mistakes. (laughs) Uh, So where are we going?
1: What's, what's next? What's number five?
2: yeah another kind of uh thing to check when you're you know in a technical world is looking at your images um a few years ago optimizing your images was a huge thing now wordpress kind of takes care of most of it for you um it's still you can still make some mistakes in this area though so my big kind of suggestion my general suggestion is use jpegs because even if they are massive wordpress will shrink them down to like 25 60 pixels or something and it does a pretty good job compressing the jpeg it's not the best you could do better but at a bare minimum this is fine uh, if you use pngs on the other hand though those do not compress as well and they the file sizes can be massive especially mm. if they've got transparency or things um, so my my kind of just you know like I said this is the real basic but if you're using images and they're they're photographs right there should probably be a JPEG um, we'll talk about WebP's in a second but they should probably be a JPEG and if it's a graphic like somebody designed and drew a box and it has bold colors that can be a PNG um, using those two you pretty much are going to avoid any major problems but if you have you know giant background images and they're saved as pngs they could be like 10 20 megabytes um same thing with like background videos and stuff we recommend hosting videos on a third-party platform or a cdn um and then like i said i mentioned uh, WebP's, and that's kind of a newer technology and they are great they're much smaller they're optimized they work really well but they're, I still haven't fully adopted it because there's still a few people that use like an old browser that doesn't load them properly or they don't you know if you sometimes if you click them they turn into downloads rather than embeds so you know these things can be remedied and fixed and approached but we're not quite doing that yet just to be they leave things on the safe side but for people to just like throw in a whole giant gallery of you know 20 megabyte png files the site just or the homepage itself, you know, it can just become massive and impossible to download. So then that could really be uh, detrimental for your site speed and, and indexing it.
1: One one tip I suppose I would have with with the whole image thing is, you know, if you if you do use a service like ShortPixel or you, hmm. I don't know, E-W-W-W. I don't know how you pronounce that. I was sort I, of... Yeah, I don't it. know. <laughs> anyway, you know who I mean, ewww.io yeah. io. Um, they both have parts of their plugin, which are, which hook onto the WordPress image uploader. So they will actually use their compression engine instead of mm-hmm. WordPress's compression engine, just as you're uploading media files. So if you do already use those services, or you're going to use them for the production site, once it goes live, get them in there early, because then as just as you're dragging stuff into the site through the build, it's doing the job for you as well. So you don't need to, you, it's just something you can then set and forget. It's, it's that easy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's nice to do it from the get go, from the very beginning, and that will convert them. I and it, it, he's right; it definitely convert or compresses them better. Um, and you can adjust it too. You could say, mm. you know, I I want to compress the hell out of this. I don't care if there's a little pixelation, or you can say, you know, let's let's keep it real clean. But you know, just try to get what you can out of it. The um, one
1: the one thing I would say about use plugin. So ew, I, I moved from short pixel to ewww because for a number of reasons, but. EWWW has a built-in CDN network which granted shortpixel does but you have got to pay for a higher tier for it whereas with mm-hmm. EWWW it is it is uh, lumped within the the standard fee and I've got to say it works a treat however however when you move the site the site the the, the CDN gets linked to the domain so if you're going to use you Within a, if somebody's still listening to this, they're going to think I'm absolutely insane. Anyway, uh, if you're, if you're I, yeah, using this. I have no this,
2: idea what this is called, I don't even know. But, yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, so if you're using it through the development process, by all means, put the image uploader in there. You know, get the plugin in there, do that, but do not set up the CDN. Make the CDN part of the go live process because it really will make your life easier when you need to send the site live.
2: Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And you probably don't want to be piping your development changes back and forth to CDN all the time, anyway. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I do, I like. I mean, I'm. We're not going to get into it now, but I'm kind of curious why you moved away from ShortPixel because I I still use that for the most part. But that's because bought a whole bunch of lifetime credits and it just has worked pretty well, so I kept using it. But mm. one kind of warning I will throw out there is: well, we're both talking about the paid, you know, services from both of these companies. Um, a very popular one is uh, WP Smush or Smush It or one of those. And yes. I see that installed on tons of sites. I mean, it works fine. In fact, I've liked some of their features. But the problem with the free one is it doesn't optimize your main image, the the, the, the original one. It only, oh, okay. it only optimizes your thumbnails. So I have seen so many people run this on like sites with like 30, 40, 50,000 images in their library. And it takes like literally days and it made no difference because they're using they're all the site or all the pages are referencing the full images and those don't get compressed. Like that's their kind of yeah. well, if you upgrade, we'll we'll do that for you too. And it's like, well, that's the one we actually want you to do. So <laughs> basically what I'm saying is I can't see a benefit of using Smush if you don't want to pay for it. Right. If enough. you just want the free version, I can't see a reason to use it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we're now hedging on the on
1: the themes of the next tip, tip number 6, which is ignoring technical seo features particularly within the build so we do um, we're not going to go into this in great detail because episode nine which was two weeks ago was all about the importance of technical seo so if you want to deep dive into this go and check out episode number nine if if we remember when we're doing the show notes we'll make sure there's a (laughs) link over to it uh, directly from this episode but yeah look just get so much of technical seo is almost a set and forget feature if you code it right if you build it right if you set it up right at go live that you know there's, there's pockets of time where you need to be considering these features but if you get it right at that point then actually you've done 65 70 percent of the legwork that the client is ever going to need as they're using the site going forward you can't control the content i completely appreciate that but you can control the way things are coded the way that tags pull out into the um you know in into the front end the way schema is set up you can control the way that images are optimized like we've just been saying you and, and how they are delivered through cdns or or whatever you you can do all of that stuff and that's kind of the expectation when a user comes to a web professional to, to get a site built. So just get it right first time and then, you know, have it in your checklist, have your processes around it or get a team like SEO Hive involved. We have a product that will help help you, um, you know, help identify these issues and fix them for you. But just get it done first time. And then, as I say, you, you, you know, you're handing over a good product to the client when you've
2: done that. Yeah. And I will raise that. Um, do this on your development starter site. Yeah. 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 (laughs) There's a whole episode right there. (laughs) (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) And we're done. No, but you know, if you've got the structure in your development site, then you never have to, I mean, you need to go over, you need to check these things. And actually that kind of segues into the next one. I did, we actually made a list for this podcast. If uh, anyone listening can't tell, And, uh, it's going so much smoother, Pete. I like it. We should do this more often. (laughs) And I, I'm really surprised how well things and I'm not sure we meant to do that, but anyway, (laughs) you mean you're not sitting there thinking,
1: what the hell is he going to say next?
2: (laughs) No, I am that, but you know, but I'm not caught completely off guard. So that's, that's what's great about it. So keep keeping me honest, keeping my attention span going. Um, the next one is is one that I, I know i've said before and that's run your seo program through its onboarding its wizard whatever the startup thing is just just install it and run it through it that that just go through do the best job you can even if you know nothing about it you will do good mm-hmm. <laughs> um you're not gonna hurt anything probably by adding the basics and, I, and when you go through these steps um it, it, it very simple what is the site name what is you know the contact information it asks this stuff so it puts it in the schema so it delivers it to Google properly and all that stuff is easy to find um, I yeah, we, I saw a post on Facebook the other day someone said hey I saw the SEO hive guys were talking about how they like SEO press so we're gonna uh, we're gonna use that one and, and pull out whatever it was and that's great I'm so honored we love SEO press we think they're great. But unless you're using like Yoast, and I'll tell you why I'm saying that one in a second, there's really no point in taking out your S- your current SEO plugin. Whatever you've got is probably fine. Just go through the steps and make sure it's good. Um, the reason I say Yoast, and that's not to talk trash about them, but it is it's it's got to be the least featured SEO plugin out there because they want you to pay mm-hmm. for the premium and, and all that stuff. Whereas everything else just includes all the features. Most of them don't do anything more than the other one does or anything better. They just do it a little bit differently. I mean, Pete, Pete just moved his head in a way that says, no, no, I, I know one reason why this one is better, but... <laughs> no, no, it, was, the, it wasn't that. Sorry, go on. For the most part, it's six and one half dozen the other. But, but the point is, just run through the wizard because it'll take care of the, like, 80% of the most important things for you.
1: Yeah. I, I was thinking two things. I was thinking... One was it will also take out the line. This is just another WordPress website from the tagline field in settings, uh, which is another giveaway that nobody's nobody's even looked at that page. Um, and the other thing I was thinking was remembering being on a panel show, a panel, uh, being on a panel with a podcast uh, was on a panel that was featured in a podcast that was hosted by GoDaddy, and I was very honored to be there. Anyway, this guest was was a bit late, so we started without him. And uh, I was asked a question about SEO plugins and gave a very similar response to you, which is, well, you know, you can use any of them as long as it's not Yoast. And just as I finished speaking, our late podcast guest arrived, who was uh, one of the development team from Yoast plugin, who I then had to justify myself to, uh, who had just spent the last three minutes in the waiting room listening to me trash his plugin. (laughs) That's That's why my head went oopsie
2: <laughs> it's, I mean there's nothing wrong with the plugin it's the OG you know I mean I don't know if it is the original one but it's been there for as long as I've been doing WordPress stuff so give credit to, to them and the things that they've done for WordPress and in the industry but the fact of the matter is the last time we looked into the premium options it was like 75 bucks per site per advanced module so if they were a local business they needed to pay 75 bucks for that if they wanted something else there's another 75 on top of that and so it just it, you know it doesn't make sense I, when seo press i think is like 39 dollars a year or something like that it's it, similar like yeah i was going to say about 40 it or 50 dozens for and you. hundreds of websites so it, yep. you know it just made sense but and nothing you know not, not not necessarily trying to ding their business model if it works for them great and uh i'm sure there's plenty of people that are happy paying it so good good for them, not me.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So the the next one, number eight. Now this, this one's a little more complicated or more in-depth than some of those that have, have passed before. But this is about making sure that you do not have a flat URL structure. So what is good practice for SEO? is to nest content. So that means that you have, you know, everybody knows that the homepage sits on the main URL. So seohive.co, that is is our homepage. A flat URL structure would then mean that every other URL sits directly under the homepage. So you'd have seohive.co forward slash local SEO, seohive.co forward slash the content plan seohive.co forward slash uh, this podcast is about the top 10 mistakes that you can make uh, when setting up a WordPress website they all uh, are the same of the same weight to Google Google can't group any of them together because you haven't nested any of them together now the reason that this is important is that some keywords are more competitive than others and that means that certain keywords in order to rank meaningfully you have to prove an authority Uh, in that particular content area for a specific thing. And you can do that by nesting pages. So if, let's take us for an example, we can have a page which is seohive.co forward slash white label SEO. So then within that, we can then have white label content writing. We can have white label local SEO. We can have white label technical SEO. But they would all be children of the white label SEO page. The URL structure would be seohive.co forward slash white label SEO. Forward slash local SEO, for example, for the local SEO page. So, really, if you think about your website as a family tree, with the home page sitting at the top as like the matriarch, you don't want every other page to be a brother or sister to each other. You want to have you want to have little family units within that that then denote um, uh, allow you to denote authority in particular areas. And that means you know most client websites we work with they want to rank for a number of terms. You know what? For some terms, one page might be enough, or you might need one page and one child, and that that is that is it. Others, however, might need a dozen pages or two dozen pages because it might be far more competitive. So you're you're building in the structure in order to do that, and the number of websites we get through where everything is just for homepage forward slash and then the URL, it does my head in. And really, (laughs) the easiest thing to do is to nest the pages. However, one word of warning, if you're doing this to an existing site, if you're moving pages around, you need to make sure you put 301 redirect in from the original URL to the new URL. Otherwise, you'll get a whole lot of errors for someone else.
2: Yeah, don't just go changing it and think, oh, I fixed everything. No, 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 you change things.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Hey, do you want to roll into number 10? Because I realize that might actually just be a good segue. Okay, so number 10. We'll skip number nine. You can finish
1: with number nine. I'll in come a, back to that one. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is about creating internal links. Now, everything I've just said is is uh, to do with uh, flat structure. That essentially is one method of creating internal links. However, you can make internal links by using content around your, uh, you know, around your site as well. Um, this really does apply to blog content. So if you've got if you've got a section about white label SEO, let's run with the same example, we might not want to create two dozen pages under that to do with white label SEO. We might have we might just want the our one top level page about white label SEO and then the three or four children, which are our services, to do with that. So how do we then prove further authority in this area? Well, we do that by creating blog content and then using internal links to link back to those appropriate pages and passing authority that way on target keywords that's the first thing with internal linking make sure that the links are on target keywords not on phrases like click here or read more or you know see see this whatever it might be needs to be on the target keyword the real key with this is about actually spending some time reviewing past content so that it links f- f- almost forward in time to content that you've produced in the future. So if you go and create a new a new page today about, um, let's say about local SEO, we, we go and create a new local SEO page uh, and we wanna go and find some links for it. Well, let's go back in time through our archive of blog topics and find where we can put links in from some of the older content that reaches forward in time to the new local SEO page. It's not a process that you necessarily want to do with every piece of content you create. We do do that as part of our content pathway, but we, uh, it, it You know, if you're working on a client website or they're paying you for a few hours a month or a few hours a quarter, you know what, grab a coffee, spend 20 minutes and just look at their new blogs and look at their old blogs and see if you can bring some links from the past over to the future. And you'd be amazed how quickly you can start to build links uh, that way. If you want yeah. to automate the process slightly, I realize this is quite a long one. If you want to automate <laughs> the process slightly, then there are some plugins you can use. There's one called LinkJuicer, which is a WordPress plugin where you can actually put in um, into a post the the keywords you want other places to link to on that post. Uh, and it will go and find them for you. It's kind of accurate, but it, it does miss a few because you, you need to set quite a lot of parameters. Uh, and another option that I frequently use is a tool called Inlinks.net, which is an external, um, an external setup. It's a code of JavaScript that you pop in the header of the site, but it basically does goes and does the same thing. But it, it is it's more detailed than the the WordPress plugin, but nothing is as good as going and doing it yourself.
2: Yeah, it can be really helpful on the blogs, like you mentioned, especially old ones that can really kind of boost. They've been, they could be sitting there for years. And if you go through yeah. and do that, you could really create some juice. Um, I've, I've been seeing a, a client did a really good job of this. We're launching a new uh, dentist website soon, and they've gone through, you know, all the service pages and there's great information about each type of service. There's obviously a lot of different things that dentists do. Um, and any time that it references, you know, say preventive dentistry or cosmetic dentistry, it always will go and link to those pages. And so that's not the blog contents, a little bit different, but it helps support all of those, helps strengthen them. So the last one on our list actually is uh, reviewing the performance and or making some kind of, you know, basic performance optimizations. Um, I think the real easy way to do this is use something like WP Rocket. Um, that's my kind of performance plugin of choice. I know Perf Matters. Um, there's all kinds of different ones out there, but the f- it's just one of those things that we do on every site we launch. Um, we implement kind of basic caching, optimize the delivery of the CSS, and we defer JavaScript. You can do a lot more, but usually that... And we, I'm sorry, we lazy load uh, images as well. You can do a lot more, But you've got to check everything, make sure it doesn't break any functionality, make sure things load, make sure contact forms still send, make sure pop-ups pop up. I mean, these are all the things that break almost every time when you just slap a performance plugin and click all the boxes. So don't do that. Mm. Please don't do that. (laughs) I'd almost rather you not do anything. Um, So you got to check it. Be sure it all works. But... um, you can also, you know, avoid a lot of those issues too in your builds as well. So when you're building things, you know, these days don't use a slider, don't use too many fancy effects and things like that. I mean, they're all, you know, everybody loves their their bling and their fancy stuff, but all of those things affect performance and it's just going to cause headaches. So I try to shy away from most of those. Um, but yeah, I think these days, like using the, the block editor, it really doesn't load too much. In fact, most of our sites are ranking close to uh, 95 to 100 without any performance update or any performance optimizations just by using optimized images and you know a good theme so there's a lot that you can do there but there's also the basics will cut out I mean we'll cover like 90 percent of what you need to accomplish there so definitely you know approach performance check your site speed scores and see what you can fix there if you if there is anything absolutely and um, my little tip on that one is
1: if you're using a plugin to optimize the delivery of images. Now you can do this through WP Rocket or this could be through something like the CDN through you uh, that we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. Um, Make sure that you set uh, the uh, option for setting image dimensions because that will seriously... Uh, help your um, cumulative layout shift scores when it comes to that so it basically what that will do is put the dimensions of the image on the container so that when the page loads because the the image is going to lazy load in the gap so when the page loads all the content is in the right place and the image will just fill the hole rather than if you don't set that the 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 placeholder for the image will actually close up, so that then the text, everything that's underneath it, will have to move down when the image loads, and that's what gives you the the lower uh, culminative layout shift score, because that's exactly
2: what culminative layout shift is. Um, that, that's a good tip, and, that, and that's a big ranking that's a, not ranking factor, but that's a big factor on these tests too. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. It's and, kind of and, funny that that reminds that shows me how I know I'm a weirdo because I actually like get a kick out of seeing the websites load like that, which is not right, but like I just love how things are. I love knowing how things are built. Like I love taking. Things apart. I love looking at them. So when I like see the structure come together, I'm like, ooh, oh, but that was not good for user experience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But that's, yeah, uh, that's,
1: uh, Yeah, considering if if you're going this far into it, it's literally a tick of a box. So just don't forget to tick the box. But considering point one we made was about forgetting to untick a box, I think it's (laughs) important that we mention the boxes to tick as well as the ones to untick. Uh, So, and and that's it. That's our top 10 WordPress mistakes uh, that we hope you avoid making directly because you've listened to this podcast. No, not because of that. But because (laughs) it's a good way to deal with uh, WordPress, and to deliver sites for clients.
2: Yeah. A lot of these you learn from trial and error. Some of them you learn by listening to our podcast. So you're welcome. <laughs> well, uh, if you enjoyed the show, which we really hope you have, because we're
1: really enjoying making this show. Uh, <laughs> but if you, and that's no word of a lie. I'm not just saying that. No. We genuinely do get a kick out of making this. Um, but if you do enjoy it, uh, please make sure that you subscribe in your podcast player of choice or if you're watching it on YouTube go and hit that subscribe button uh, and if you really really want to become a super fan make sure you go and leave a comment on YouTube or leave us a five star review on uh, iTunes or Spotify or somewhere like that because that would absolutely make our day and if we don't see you in the next ep- uh, if we don't see you in the next episode, no, if we don't see you in the comments or the reviews, we <laughs> will see you in the next episode have a good week everybody
0: The WP SEO Show is brought to you by SEO Hive, your agency's proactive white label SEO partner. We understand that finding a reliable SEO supplier is key to ensuring you build stable monthly recurring revenue into your digital agency. At SEO Hive, we have a suite of products that will help you sell, scale, and deliver your monthly SEO retainers, from our scout reports and one off technical boosters, to our flagship local SEO and honeypot plans all of which have clear pricing and monthly deliverables. If you want to explore how SEO Hive can help your agency deliver high quality and reliable SEO agreements for your clients, you can find more information at SEOHive.co and schedule a call to discuss the next steps.